Okay, motherfucker! What are you looking at, sir? I'm looking at you, miss. not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Imprint Companion. This is a podcast that unpacks, unsheaths, and digs into all of the incredible resplendent glory that is the imprint films boutique blu-ray label here in australia um and available all around the world it's not region locked today i'm doing a very special episode of one specific disc in the collection number 251 the sensational gorgeous and absolutely stuffed Sam Peckinpah, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. And no, you are not going to hear the dulcet tones of the Greek prince of Australian film criticism, one Alexi Toliopoulos talking to me today as we unpack this bad boy. You instead are going to hear the voice of someone very familiar to everyone on One Heat Minute Productions. I think one of the greatest long-form film critics maybe ever. His essays on films like Vice and Blowout and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are all, all timers. And he has actually contributed to an amazing video essay titled Portrait of an Artist as a Dead Man. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia and Sam Peckinpah's last chance. He is my dear friend, a Peckinpah acolyte, a Warren Oates fanboy, the legend, the man, the myth. It's Travis Woods. Hello, my friend. Oh, blakey, blakey, blake, blake, blake. Uh, I like how through some uh, strange osmosis, my powers of hyperbole have infected <laughs> you, and your introductions of me get longer and longer and longer, <laughs> uh, which uh, I, I'll take, you know, my my delicate ego uh, will, will just heartily eat right up. I was also, while listening to it, I couldn't help but be a little tickled how, uh, you know, you, you very kindly noted uh, me as a as a strong uh, long form film critic i like how even my titles are getting longer and longer <laughs> and longer now portrait of the artist as a dead man bring me the head of alfredo garcia and sam peck and pause last chance like i couldn't have just kept that like a tight, tight five or six words no I had, to, I had to give a paragraph as a title no no i i appreciate the paragraph as title we love that um so firstly this disc so Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia for anyone. We're going to talk mm. through um, Travis as a real expert on this film and really everything in it. And I, I, before we get to his videos, I just want to sort of shout out, this is truly when you look at just the single features on one disc is one of the most stuffed imprint releases, which is saying something that I have ever seen. New audio commentary um, commentary by Mike Siegel, who has done basically everything and been such a huge part of everything that has been brought to Imprint Films, which is amazing. We've got Gordon Dawson and Nick Redman doing an audio commentary. Peckinpah Scholars, Paul Sador, Garner Simons, David Weddle, and Nick Redman doing another one. You've got Paul Cedar and assistant director Caddy Haber, uh, moderated by the Twilight Time producer Nick Redman on here as well. We've got an isolated score track. You've got 
Passion and Poetry, Sam's favorite film, which is the making of with all the key cast and crew, new um, uh, feature gallery, new stuff from Travis, um, and an entire second disc, Passion and Poetry, The Ballad of Sam Peckinpah. It's unbelievable. And then you get to this incredible video essay by my friend who I'm talking today, who does a lengthy 30 minute video essay, which may be one of the best that imprint have ever put together. And it is all because Travis so thoughtfully constructs everything that he has to say about this movie. And it's, it's so powerful and I learned so much and it was just incredible. So if you are a fan of Peckinpah and you don't own this particular edition, you are doing yourself and your collection a disservice. So thank you, man, for, for doing it. Thank you for talking to me. Um, about it and I just want to start really quickly and ask like how long ago was it do you, what are your earliest memories of Alfredo Garcia because this movie I mean I think your essay says it so beautifully but this movie clearly means a lot to you and it has such an amazing confluence of themes of you know the director being the sort of most nakedly personal as well as the most sort of interrogating to kind of genres that he formed, as well as like this portrait of masculinity, because ultimately Peckinpah being a Michael Mann guy myself, like Peckinpah's influence on interrogations of masculinity is boundless um, and has tendrils through a whole generation of filmmakers. But tell me why this movie, what it was your experience of first seeing it and why it has continued to grow in, in, in your estimations as you know, one of those truly monumental pieces of art in his in his already pretty monumental resume. Well, Jesus, in true Travis fashion, I'm going to take a long <laughs> way around. And by the way, I like what you said. Uh, paragraph has title. I'm going to use that as my bio, my automatic <laughs> paragraph has title. Travis <laughs> um, well, first, I'm going to swing back around, do a little housekeeping, and just say while I'm very happy to be talking to you about this film, talking to I'm happy to talk to anybody about this film. Uh, credit where due to the great uh, Peck and Paw scholar Mike Siegel, whose you know fingerprints really are all over this incredibly overstuffed, as you said, box set that is a tribute to this film. I can't imagine that there will ever be another, unless this just gets upgraded to 4K with the same with the same features. I can't imagine a home video release of this film that is going to be as loaded as this one is it's incredible and as you said you know uh there are pre-existing commentaries which are helmed by the late and the great twilight time producer nick nick redman with uh all sorts of peckinpah scholars and biographers and as you said there is a new one with mike siegel and i just want to point out the importance of that is that mike siegel is also he's the um the the, the filmmaker behind this any any real peck and pie head they 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 know of this documentary this feature length documentary called Passion and Poetry the Ballad of Sam Peckinpah Mike Siegel is the one who who made that movie years back and this is the first time it has been released on Blu-ray ever uh, as a second disc to this which is another reason why this box set is so important and I think it's very right and true that it is bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia that is the home video release that is so packed with all of this biographical biographical excuse me information about Peck and Paul because it is his most autobiographical film and as for where it found me or where I found it uh 
you know, I was my my old man is a is a fan of westerns, and he's also a fan of Sam Peckinpah. I still remember to this day when I was around twelve years old. It was a Saturday, and he sat me down. He's like, "I'm gonna sit your ass down," and he's like, "It's time, it's time." I'm like, "Oh shit, we're gonna have like the awkward the awkward birds and bees talk." And no, what he meant by "it's time" is. <laughs> Uh, we're going to watch the fucking wild bunch yeah. and you're going to sit down, you're going to watch that. And I'm going to shotgun this thing right into your retinas. Uh, and he did. And I loved it. And, you know, even though my, my little baby brain was unable to absorb the totality of the film, I was aware that it was something special and it was something unique. And even though by that point it, it was, you know, a couple decades old, I was still seeing things that I'd never seen before in cinema but I mean, what, what the hell? I was twelve. Uh, but also, uh, that uh, lit something in my brain, and you know, that was everyone talks about that time—the first time they're watching a movie and they realize, oh, somebody made this. This has an authorial, uh, no pun intended, imprint upon it. There's there are thumbprints on this thing. There are whirlpools of fingerprints that are different from any other movie that I've seen, and you know. The main guy that most people say when they realize that is Kubrick. Uh, but I think maybe for me, I got into Peckinpah first. I saw Peckinpah movies first. And so I think it was Peckinpah was the first filmmaker whose films I watched. And I started to notice there there are things in this guy's movies that aren't in any other guy's movies, which means he's doing these things on purpose. And that there yes. is someone behind the lens doing this shit on purpose. You know, and you got my old man next to me going, you see the slow motion thing? He's the only one that does it like this. And, um, you know, <laughs> shit like that. And so, you know, he, you know, wisely, he did not show me, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia when I was 12. Yeah. But later on. That's a different, that's a different view. That's a different uh, kind of view. He, he knew, he, he knew when to stop. Uh, that said, a couple of years later, I'm going to date and age myself here. I got my first job working at a drive-in theater as a projectionist slash the same guy that owned that owned a mom and pop VHS video store. Amazing. And basically all through high school, I put myself through my own self-curated film school, where if anyone who's out there told enough to remember working at a video store knows you basically just start grabbing movies off the shelf and killing time by watching them all. And uh, one of the first things I did was start picking up second palm movies that I hadn't yet seen. Uh, which includes stuff uh, like Draw Dogs and Filler Elite, which, uh, mm. uh, and uh, hey, it's got Jimmy Conn. That, that's enough. It does have Jimmy Conn. Um, and then there was this, 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 there was this one movie. It was just this title that was strange. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. And I watched it one night. I was like 16 or 17. And oh, boy, um, it's the kind of movie where you, you, you remember that scene at the end of the Shawshank Redemption where <laughs> Morgan Freeman as Red gets out of prison, finally, right? And uh, he, he's not sure he's going to do with his life yet. And he goes to the wall. He goes to the, the, the stone fence wall that Andy Dufresne tells him to check out when he, if, if he ever gets out. And there's a stone there that Andy's left for him. And, you know, he takes it out there. And he opens it and he sees that there's all this stuff inside. I, there's this, this hidden case behind the stone and there's money inside and a message and all this. And I love this little human beat where Morgan Freeman stops and he drops the box and he looks around to see if anyone's watching him as if 
is this a goof? Is this a bit? Are we doing yeah. a bit? Is someone like, is like, he's discovered something that feels so secret and so unique and so special and so knowingly life-changing that he has to look around, like, even though it's a couple decades early, he's got to look around and see if this is like candid, a hidden camera show or something like that. If this is, this can't be real. And that's what I felt like watching Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, where I had to pause the thing like 13 fucking different times <laughs> and like look around going, whoa, 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 what? Uh, and and uh, you know, brief bit of house cleaning here for anyone who's listening and has yet to watch the film. I will not spoil it for you, but I will give the very basic uh, bare bones of plot, which is essentially... Uh, it is set in Mexico, where a Mr. Big type character, uh, a crime lord by the name of El Jefe, and he's not like a Michael Mann crime lord. You know, he's not, doesn't seem like he's involved in like offshore narco trafficking shit like that. He's very much more almost like a char character like out of a, uh, uh, out of the Godfather where it's set in Mexico City, uh, very old world. And he's uh, he's he's played uh, with this, this kind of menacing relish by Emilio Fernandez, who also played the heavy in the Wild Bunch. And anyway, he finds out that his teenage daughter is pregnant. And he wants to know who's the son of a bitch that got my daughter pregnant. It turns out it's this local cad by the name of Alfredo Garcia. And so he puts out a hit. He just puts it. It's where the, the film gets a title. But he puts out a hit in Alfredo Garcia. Anyone brings the man brings me this man's head. They get a million dollars. No questions asked. Just do it. Now, counter to that plot, we have the story of Benny, played by the greatest actor who ever lived, in my opinion, Warren Oates. And Warren Oates plays a down-and-out loser. He runs a really shitty bar uh, in outside of Mexico City that uh, traffics in cheap mezcal and women. And he sits there all, all night, every night, playing uh, shitty songs on the piano. His life is a dead end. Uh, it's not going anywhere. And all of a sudden, he hears about this, this, this call, this bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. And he knows the one thing. He's got something special. He's got, an, well, he's got two things that are special, but he only realizes one of them is special. Uh, and that is that he, he's got a bit of information that the heavies don't. He knows that Alfredo Garcia is actually already dead. He died in a car accident. And he knows this because his girlfriend is cheating on him or was cheating on him with Al Garcia. <laughs> and knowing that, he sees this as his opportunity that if he can dig up, if he can dig up the grave of Alfredo Garcia, cut off his head, bring it to the money men, well, by God, uh, That'll change his life. Even though the money men lie to him and tell him that the reward is only $10,000, which I think has both shows you what a loser uh, they, view, they view Benny as. But it's also interesting. That's the exact same amount that the the Wild Bunch are living and dying for in um, uh, the, in the Wild Bunch. You know, it's the same amount of money that as in the Wild Bunch, they say this cuts a lot of family ties. Uh, he's going to risk everything. He's going to risk his uh, his life, his love, everything to find this body, cut off its head, and bring it to El Jefe, much to his girlfriend, Elita's disgust, played by the absolutely amazing Asada Vega. And that's it. That's that's the the very that's enough. long winded if, if, if that's not a, if that's of not enough the head of Alfredo Garcia. I don't know what is. But 
But what makes it special? I mean, it's already as a genre film, that's incredible. I mean, and that's what originally what the film was meant to be. It was meant to just be just a just a a very kind of down and dirty Roger Corman-esque road film. And I don't mean that as a pejorative. I love Roger Corman, but that's what it was meant to be. And instead, Peckinpah took it and he's tinkered with it over the course of three or four years while making all of these other masterpieces like The Wild Bunch, like The Ballad of Cable Hog, like uh, uh, Straw Dog, like Pat Garrett and Billy, Billy the Kid. Kid. And, you know, as Peckinpah's life was going on and his alcoholism and cocaine addictions were, were waxing and waning, his his relationships and marriages were falling apart. Uh, and, you know, the only thing that he seemed to be getting right were the films. The, the idea, the script that he had with him for Alfredo Garcia, it became like this, you know, I, I note it in my essay, I've written an essay on this both for uh, Birdwall Dark Room and then the visual S the video essay for for imprint. I note that the, the film becomes like this vestigial vestigial sack collecting all of the pus <laughs> that, that, that is accumulating uh from Peckinpah's extraordinary insecurity and toxicity and rage and self-loathing over those years it's almost you could almost i mean if you want to get real pretentious and you know i love getting real pretentious <laughs> you could almost argue that bring me the head of alfredo garcia becomes like his own personal portrait of dorian gray yeah where uh, he continues to make these these masterpiece level films these these brilliant auteurist visions about codes of masculinity and his his tributes to them but also his very kind of fraught and increasingly worried interrogations of those codes uh that as he's doing that that this self that this 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 story of benny becomes increasingly autobiographical and increasingly ugly and increasingly surreal and increasingly hard to fucking believe anyone would put this shit on a screen and uh it it is ultimately, in my opinion, he made movies after this, some of which are pretty entertaining uh, and lovely. Like, uh, you know, I, you know, I I I I, I joke about uh, Killer Elite. It's not his greatest movie, but then he he also made movies after this, like Cross of Iron, which I think is wonderful. Um, Austin. Austin was after uh, this, right? <laughs> well, the imprint, great the, cast. The, the, the imprint directors. Like version, uh, like his what? assembly Here's is actually a terrific movie. That's I'm a terrific out movie. Myself, I have not seen that oh. cut of the movie, so I will refrain. Uh, but then I'll say, you know, the stuff. And I, I, I do want to pick that up. Hey, imprint, hit me up. Um, I do want to <laughs> pick that up. But also, uh, he, you know, he did, he did Convoy, which is like a great pop movie. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's not, you know, a work of art. But this is Alfredo Garcia, nineteen seventy four is Alfredo Garcia. This is his last masterpiece. This is um. And part of what makes it a masterpiece, uh, I think, one of the many parts that makes it a masterpiece is that the corrosion of that portrait of Dorian Gray that was getting increasingly humorous and metastasizing, you know, in his attic, you know, the, the script for this movie is it was it was getting uglier and uglier. Um, it was getting uglier and uglier because his life was increasingly becoming more and more unstable. And 
you can feel that in this film. This is a film made by a man who is falling apart, and you feel it in the movie. We'll be right back after this quick break. It's one of the most beautiful parts of your essay, especially when you talk about some of the improvisation and his unexpected kind of uh, rug pulling that he does yeah. to, to well, Warren Oates. That. Even before, before that, that but... I just note that I just note that his like his the, his artistic transmission, like that of Benny's Chevy, it's starting yeah. to slip out of gear. And that's <laughs> actually what makes the film so fraught and engaging and kind of hallucinatory and hypnotic is you're like, you can feel him losing control. Yeah. He doesn't, he never, he never entirely does. He never actually does, but there are so many sequences where it's like, he is like one bad putt away from blowing this whole fucking thing. And he never does, but that much like watching Benny fuck his own life up. You keep <laughs> watching this movie going, Oh my God, Peck and Paws one cut away. He's one He's one bad angle away. He's one misdirected performance away from fucking flushing this down the toilet. And he never does. But that 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 high wire act of Sam Peckinpah, who at that point was an artist who was, you know, he, he's the equivalent of, you know, Keith Richards at that point in the 70s. And you know, he's, he's a guy on death's door, but he's doing some of the greatest work of his entire career. Um, you know, I think it was, was it Lester Bangs, the great <laughs> critic Lester Bangs, who wrote that... Uh, who said that uh, like Bob Dylan, uh, Keith Richards is someone who looks and uh, looks and creates at their absolute best when they are right there at the, at the jaws of death. And uh, Peck and Paul is one of those guys where I, I, I truly believe this is his best work. And he was do it, it, part of what makes his best work is he was so goddamn fucking out of his mind that he was willing <laughs> to go anywhere with that artwork. Um, and including risking making himself look like an absolute fucking buffoon, uh, which he does. He he purp the, purposely makes himself look like a buffoon uh, as a man and almost risks making himself a buffoon as an artist, but doesn't. And that, man, I'm, I know I'm going long here as I tend to do, but boy, oh boy, it just makes this movie infused with this like razor wired electricity that you just, you don't you don't see and i know that's like a hacky thing to say well you don't see this in movies anymore but you really don't uh you don't see uh, you don't see that they don't that leave because... they don't leave people as wild as sam peck and parts of their own devices in 2023 and, and this is a movie uh first and last time uh where he got the studio just to be like dude if you'll do it for this amount of money we'll leave you the fuck alone just go do your thing and that was very important to him because he had just come off making Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, which mm. great movie, beautiful movie. Hey, if you're not crying like I do uh, when Slim Pickens takes one to oh the my gut God. and Bob Dylan starts singing, uh, uh, knocking on heaven's door and he looks at his wife and oh, mm. uh, but that said, the studio really fucked with him on that movie and they took it from him. And uh, I, I'm going to change the subject really quickly because I'll start really leaning into those <laughs> venal evil cocksuckers that ruined uh, his vision uh, and tarnished, tarnished his vision, didn't ruin it, but tarnished it. Uh, and he was real hot to trot to make a movie that was his movie. And he even said after the fact, you know, right or wrong, love it or hate it, Alfredo Garcia was my movie. That was the one that I got to make the way exactly. I wanted to make it, which means it is his purest vision, even if he wasn't his his purest Sam, you know, he, <laughs> as I said, he was slipping at that point. 
but that that just makes it all the more honest. And what is it being honest about? It's it's a movie about, um, it's a movie about Sam Peckinpah's terrors. It's about his fears, his fears as a man, and his fears as a romantic partner. It's his fears as an artist. You know, there's a great scene where Benny has to go in and talk to the money men and convince them convince them to give him him an advance to go get the the head of Alfredo Garcia. And he doesn't tell him he already has it, but he's he's going to try and trick them into giving him an advance. And it's this humiliating moment. And you realize, my God, this is Sam Peckinpah walking into a room of executives begging for the money to make this movie. Um, and then there's so many other scenes where, boy, oh boy. And when um, he bo- and and in true Sam style, when he goes in the room with the executives, it just ends in gunfire and death. It's just such a, it becomes a fantasy of, like backstabbery and like literally trying to claw your way out of these spaces just with whatever dignity and life that you can take and scratch out of that room. Yeah. I mean, it was literally a guy in his boxer shorts while wearing a business <laughs> jacket tie, you know, it's a shirt, look. Uh, getting a, getting a pedicure, you know, they're just kind of sitting there with the lazy contentment of cats that have already eaten, eaten the mice. And, um, but overall, I think, you know, if you're someone who is aware at all of Sam Peckinpah's reputation, you know that he has a very troubling, uh, very troubling, troubling relationship with women, both vis-a-vis his personal life as well as his art. Um, you know, he's he said some pretty awful things in interviews. It's it's hard to always it's, it's never you're never quite sure when he's he's putting you on like he's leaning into the reputation of Sam Peckinpah. Or when he's like, oh, yeah, no, I actually believe this, this horrid shit. You know, there's yes, very famously, uh, there's the film Straw Dogs, which I believe is a critique of toxic masculinity in the form of uh, Dustin Hoffman's character. But there is a scene where uh, his wife in that film is the, uh, uh, an ex-lover of hers kind of forces himself, not kind of does, force himself upon her. And in that scene... Um, you know, she very clearly says stop. And then there's this moment where she starts to lean into it uh, and very vaguely seems to give consent uh, very ambiguously. And then uh, her ex-lover's friend walks into the room and he forcibly joins in and and they rape her. And it's it's horrible and it's queasy and it's it's just very difficult to watch. And you watch that movie and you're like, you feel like, you assume that the movie is on your side and going, well, Jesus Christ, this is, this is horrid. This is the, but then, you know, in a playboy interview that same year, he's like, well, you know, uh, she asked for it. She asked for the rape. It was just a little bit more than she bargained for. And you what you hear something like that. And you're like, well, Jesus Christ, buddy, I can't, I don't know if, yeah, it's like, I don't take you off my list, man. I can't, I can't roll with that. Yeah. I don't know if, uh, the blistering critique and the ambivalence and ambiguity of a performance registered for me as she had it coming or she was asking for it in that movie. Although it has some very treacherous, it's treading, as you said before, like treading treacherous ground, you know, it's, it's, and yeah, for him to have that take, it's like, Oh, that's a really gross take, Sam. I don't know what's going on with you. Yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. What's, what's incredible uh, about Alfredo Garcia and what I kind of make the centerpiece of 
of my essay is that there is um there's a scene in Alfredo Garcia that gets a lot of talk and it's even it's included I have I I will admit I have yet to listen to to Mike's audio commentary but I have heard the other three um which are full of Peckinpah scholars and biographers and there's the, there's this scene in which um Benny and his gal Alita they're on the road they're they're going to to get the head of Alfredo Garcia um they are uh, basically, they're assaulted, and uh, one of the two assailants takes Alita aside to to rape her. And instead of that happening, she manages to, through almost sheer force of will, render him impotent, and uh, is able to convince him not to do it. The the, the would be rapist. And instead, he just the, kind of the would-be rapist playing played by Chris Christopherson, no less. Chris Christopherson, and uh, and and what is considered to be a lot of people can and have written about this scene as the moment where Peck and Paul loses the movie. As I, you know, I keep saying, where, yeah. where, when's he going to lose it? A lot of people talk about this like this movie. This makes no sense. Where he just kind of gets sullen and collapses and starts to pout, and then uh, Alita comes to him and and comforts him and gives him a kiss, and Benny walks in on this and kills the man and he walks in on this and he kills the man and he's upset because from Benny's point of view he, he's believing the absolute worst of, of rape myths as as Peckinpah was espousing in that Playboy interview which is oh my god she wanted this man she wanted this more virile man and instead that's that's actually not what happens I think what's so amazing about this film is this film is Peckinpah crucifying himself and in a very self-aware way he is he is nailing to the post his own bullshit opinions about women because the way the the sequence is framed and i i truly confounds me that that more people don't agree with me on this of course it confounds me that more people don't agree with me on everything but, um to me that how dare they been, how dare I'm, they i mean i promise you they've been thinking about this more than i have uh, <laughs> but uh to me, that a sequence. You know, sorry, I just have to interrupt. You said a paragraph, yeah. a, a paragraph as a title is the Travis Wood story. Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna, I, a, a, a paragraph as a title. I think I'm gonna have to have. I promise you, no one's been thinking about it as much as I have. <laughs> it's maybe well, you know that's well, you know that's true. <laughs> that's, true that's true of both of us. I'm just like I promise you, no one has been thinking as much of this as I have. And so, uh. Essentially, what happens is Alita is able to disarm this man through sheer force of will. And then because she still knows that they're in danger, she gives him a kiss to like assuage his ego, which she has shattered and, and render him harmless. First, Benny runs in on this and he sees her kissing him and he's like, oh, my, you know, he immediately just loses his mind. Uh, that to me, that sequence is this film in in micro in microcosm. That is the, which is is Peckinpah saying no no i get it like this woman is forced to that 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 the, the, these men are like animals that they're these fragile raging apes and that she is having to cajole manipulate assuage massage calm um do all of these things just to keep this man from murdering her and her boyfriend and they she is forced to do that but of course benny runs in on that and sees that and totally misconstrues that as oh my god 
I knew it. All women are whores, and yeah. they want it from whoever, whichever whoever is the the alpha in the room. They gotta they gotta have it from them, and I'm not an alpha, and this guy is, and this is an exactly why I gotta put myself through the hell of getting the head of Alfredo Garcia's. If I have money, I'll be able to buy a better life, and not have to worry about this. This is all Peck and Pa buckshotting his terrors and his self and his, his his feelings of of horror and fear about the power women have who hurt him. It's him just buckshotting that shit across the screen. And the only person who looks bad in that entire sequence, it's not Alita. It's not even the rape, the would-be rapist. It's fucking Benny, our Austin superhero. <laughs> which, because Benny was designed to look, talk, and act like, like, like Sam Peckinpah, if Benny's the one that looks like the asshole, that looks like the fool in terms of his opinions about women and his attitudes about women and sex and assault and all of these things... If 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 Benny looks like, sounds like, talks like, acts like <laughs> Sam Peckinpah, and he's the asshole, that's Sam Peckinpah saying, "No, I'm fuck. I'm the asshole. I'm the monster. I'm the problem." And that, I mean, my God, I, I I'm just I'm just throwing shit out. I know that I'm just throwing ideas out here, but that to me, whether I'm watching that for the first time as a 16 year old kid in a video store, horrifying the customers. Because <laughs> I'm playing this at like, you know, 12 p.m. PM on a Tuesday. <laughs> uh, they fuck it, you know. Um, I was they paying me minimum wage. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play, you know, Disney movie. Um, and so whether I'm 16 watching this, where I'm watching this now, that 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 I find that 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 hallucinatory cascade of imagery that the film carries, along with the weight of its vision and its excoriation, it's excoriation of the artist who made it by the artist who made it um that 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 the idea that it is this like i said this um portrait of dorian gray for one of our most visionary and brilliant and yet troubled and troubling artists fuck man um there's a reason this box set is a box set and it's a doorstop <laughs> because it, while the movie speaks for itself and speaks plainly and speaks well and that's really all you need um, a lot of people can say a lot of fucking things about it and should because it is it is a film that you just don't I'll say it again and I know this tacky thing to say they don't make it like they don't make them like this anymore with this no. it's um it's the rare work of art I'll say that then I'll, I'll finally take put myself on some oxygen so you can speak but uh it is very rare I think it is very rare that anymore we come upon works of art that feel dangerous yeah um the work the kind of work of art that makes you put it down and look around the room to see if this is a bit see if this is a trick because you can't believe what this work of art is engaging with and you can't believe what this work of art is making you think about and making you think about yourself um it's it's dangerous in a way we don't really allow our art or our artists to be anymore and that's a miracle. That's a fucking miracle. It's an ugly miracle. This film. It's and it's an ugly one, and it's it's got bits of fun, but it's it's a. I mean, it's rough. Uh, but uh, it's a fucking miracle because it's dangerous. It's dangerous and it's out of control, made by someone who is dangerous and out of control. And we don't get that a lot anymore. And I think that's pretty goddamn special. It's incredibly special. I'm trying to think of any uh, any substitutes for those kind of feelings. And maybe the last time that I felt I was watching dangerous stuff personally is like the Gregoraki movies in the nineties. 
like like that felt yeah. has some danger to it you know it's like what am what am i watching here it's like it's it's in a, in a different way but yeah this is i don't think there's much more to say in this podcast that um i don't want people uh i, I, I that that is not going to make people want to go and grab this disc because your thoughts on it um and this movie the way that it speaks for itself and just the absolute buffet of amazing examination of this thing it's so incredibly special man so look thank you, know you so it's a it's a buffet you're right it's yeah. a it's a goddamn buffet <laughs> a buffet of toxic masculinity but a fucking buffet look i um, didn't say you were going to feel good after eating too much at the buffet i just said that you've got a lot to eat um and so thank you so much for coming and chatting to me about this movie i know how much you love it and i know you've loved it for many years so again it's one of those little um little things that i um when my friends get their wins and 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 get to talk about these things and it gets to be shared in such a beautiful package like this and becomes you know part of the art that they celebrate i love it so thank you so much for doing it thank you so much for doing this show again to talk to me about it and uh, thank you for all your beautiful unpacking and examination so folks go to imprintfilms.com um, you can go and check that all out there you can find it just google it and just write in alfredo garcia imprint you'll find it they ship internationally i think they're available on amazon internationally as well if you want if you can't buy direct all region free all around the world and uh and you'll hear this great man and watch his great video essay that is all about it and then just watch the shit out of this beautiful 4k scan from the original theatrical you know the original 35 mil negative that is this movie it, it, it looks amazing we'll just say one thing watch the movie first spoilers ahoy <laughs> yeah. in my uh in my essay watch watch that fucking movie and it and to say one other thing um watch war notes movies yeah obviously this movie is going to send you if you i mean i'm sure anyone watching this has seen a peck and paw movie or two or three or four or five watch all of them uh and thankfully fuck imprint is just rolling those things out left and right a lot of amazing peck and paw movies they've gotten the rights to and released that are in the packaging is gorgeous on all of them again peck and imprint hit me up send me some of those um <laughs> but also watch war notes movies watch more war notes movies uh war notes greatest actor who ever lived um my favorite actor and doing levels and layers of work in this film that we will not see the likes of which again and i i gotta just shout out to my main man warren um and go right now in your pod feeds and search for mm -hmm. watch with jen which is um mm -hmm. jen johans who's a friend of all of our shows and a great friend of ours um travis goes deep and long on all things warren oats on her terrific show watch with jen so go over there listen to that it's a spectacular episode that talks specifically warren oats which is why i didn't make travis tread the uh the the same ground that he's recently done uh espousing his love for warren oats so um go and check that out and uh and and do that and um that that is definitely um that is definitely uh something that is going to be worth your time but man you're the best thank you so much is there anything coming up that you want to shout out other than uh or, or, or maybe hint at and tease at or anything like that <laughs> oh jesus i don't remember anymore um you know uh you can find me at at heart of at a heart of gould on twitter uh you can find my writing at brightwalldarkroom.com you could find me and blake chitting and chatting talking up uh inherent vice the great film inherent vice on our podcast increment vice and as for what's coming up uh i'm my brain is on fire and consumed by the fact that i made the foolhardy decision to write <laughs> the greatest and the horniest <laughs> book on the films and vision of director brian palma 
and that has kind of consumed my summer and it's probably <laughs> gonna, it's going to consume my whole next year um i promise if you see any weird like soft core porn or we type movies in the letterbox <laughs> I, it's it is all for research it's all for the book uh, what was your excuse before that my friend what was your excuse before writing this book it's your personality we love it you're a hey, scholar it's pandemic. Every, it's, it was a rough <laughs> pandemic for everybody buddy and we, we 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 got through it the way we got through it no judgment um, man and i'm right here uh, with you <laughs> But yeah, uh, mainly I'm uh, working on uh, a project called The Palma Does Hollywood, which is just uh, a very, very strange, very, very strange look back at the films and vision of who I think is the greatest living American director of all time. And that is Brian De Palma. I think if anyone else had said to me they were going to write the greatest um, Brian De Palma book and horniest, um, the horniest speaks for itself, but I think the greatest Brian De Palma book, I would think that they would be treading on that line um, of uh, either making their masterpiece or looking like a buffoon. And my friend, I can definitely say to everyone who's listening, you are on the masterpiece line. I cannot wait. You're on the masterpiece That's side the of that line. line. I, well, I, we're gonna call it a masterpiece of buffoonery. Yeah. Which... But, no, I'm. I'm. I cannot. Cannot wait. I'm so excited and thrilled. If you have read Travis's previous writings, especially the blowout essay, which I think is you know maybe top ten essays on any film ever, um, okay. you 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 will be as excited and voracious and when you see travis talking about brian de palma you'll definitely see our extended community of great people engaging with him because we just are all basically lining up outside the theater waiting with months to go we're like those creepy star wars fans waiting and just going when is this next movie coming out you know lining up a year before it comes out i'm 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 aching to get uh, uh, even a little snippet of that to read um so man i can't wait so thank you so much Thank you. It'll be done. It'll be done soon enough. And it'll be no, no, there. no, no. You don't rush. Don't rush. Don't rush perfection. Oh, you just like, do it. Anyone who knows me knows I do not rush. <laughs> I, I do not rush on just about anything. Uh, yeah, it'll well, be a hot minute, but it, it is coming and it, it is weird. I'll probably be on a few watch lists once it comes out. <laughs> that John Doe watch list from Seven, you're not going to be on that one. You're going to be on a much cooler watch no, list. No, 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 no. Just like a Jesus dude. <laughs> <Damn down. laughs>